Britain exits the European Union, triggering ongoing data protection, privacy, and cybersecurity repercussions. And an eBay for cybercrime was selling remote access server credentials. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Leave or remain? That was the question when Britain voted in the referendum known as Brexit. In the end, 52% voted to leave the EU, triggering an uncertain future for Britain, as well as the immediate resignation of UK Prime Minister David Cameron. The repercussions could be profound and affect everything from privacy and financial regulations to cybersecurity requirements and data protection. To say that many people were surprised by that turn of events would be a major understatement. In the aftermath of Brexit, world markets reacted in panic, with $2 trillion in value being wiped off. Cameron, meanwhile, said at least for the moment nothing would change and Britain wouldn't immediately invoke Article 50 of the Treaty on the European Union. That signals that a country will leave and gives it two years to negotiate related treaties and get its affairs in order. Here's Cameron. Across the world, people have been watching the choice that Britain has made. I would reassure those markets and investors that Britain's economy is fundamentally strong. And I would also reassure Brits living in European countries and European citizens living here that there will be no immediate changes in your circumstances. There will be no initial change in the way our people can travel, in the way our goods can move, or the way our services can be sold. We must now prepare for a negotiation with the European Union. Other world leaders quickly weighed in. President Obama, in a Friday press conference, said that he had just spoken with Cameron. Just a few, uh, few hours ago, I spoke with Prime Minister David Cameron. Uh, David has been an outstanding uh, friend and partner on the global stage. And based on our conversation, I'm confident that the UK is committed to an orderly transition out of the EU. We agreed that our economic and financial teams will remain in close contact as we stay focused on ensuring economic growth and financial stability. Uh, I then spoke to Chancellor Merkel of Germany, and we agreed that the United States and our European allies will work closely together in the weeks and months ahead. But there could be some immediate repercussions. Brian Honan, a cybersecurity advisor to the EU's law enforcement intelligence agency, known as Europol, tells me that the degree to which UK law enforcement and police agencies can now continue to work with Europol will depend on the new treaties negotiated by Britain, as well as the extent to which the UK aligns itself with the EU General Data Protection Regulation, as well as the EU Network Information Security Directive. Similarly, the UK's Information Commissioner's Office, which enforces the country's data privacy and protection laws, is already calling on Parliament to fully comply with the GDPR if it hopes to do any business in the future with the EU. It's notable that the campaign to leave the EU often focused on Britain's subservience to the EU High Court and being forced to comply with EU laws. Hence, the fact that Britain will still have to comply with laws, such as the General Data Protection Regulation, is an ironic turn of events. Because it means that Britain will have to comply with the law while no longer having the right to help shape how the law is created, refined, or enforced. From the future of Britain, we now turn to the future of a nonprofit that gives away digital certificates. Digital certificate vendor Komodo has found itself in hot water over its attempt to trademark the phrase, let's encrypt. 
That phrase was already being used by a nonprofit organization of the same name that gives away digital certificates. For more on this story, we go now to ISMG Managing Editor, Jeremy Kirk. Digital certificates are a cornerstone of web security. The certificates encrypt traffic sent between an application and a service. They're also a big business as well. Now, one of the largest players, Komodo, has clashed with a nonprofit project that gives away free certificates. The move hasn't sat well with some observers. Komodo filed three applications last year with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for the phrase Let's Encrypt. That's the same name as a nonprofit project dedicated to distributing free SSL certificates. Let's Encrypt has asked Komodo to drop its applications, but it has refused. Josh Oz, executive director for the Internet Security Research Group, which oversees Let's Encrypt, says the organization has limited resources to fight Komodo. But Oz says Let's Encrypt has established a common law right to the phrase through use of the term. Komodo CEO Mele Abduhayaklu wrote in a posting on the company's forum that he believes Let's Encrypt copied its business model by giving away free certificates. Oz disputes that, saying that Let's Encrypt is not in competition with Komodo. After Komodo's trademark applications became public, the company was widely criticized. On Twitter, observers cast Komodo as a bully. Let's Encrypt is reliant on donations, and its free SSL certificates are now protecting more than 7 million domains. Since Let's Encrypt began issuing its first certificates last year, the percentage of websites using SSL has risen from 39 to 45%. The dispute, however, may be coming to a quick conclusion. A Komodo staff member indicated in the company's forums that it would allow its applications to lapse. Komodo couldn't be reached to confirm the change in plans. Odds of Let's Encrypt says the organization plans on filing trademark applications soon, hopefully preventing further conflict. I'm Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor with the Information Security Media Group. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. In a recent report, security firm Kaspersky Lab warned that an online marketplace likened to an eBay for cybercrime had been selling legitimate access credentials for enterprise servers. For more on this story, we go to Varun Heron, Associate Editor for ISMG, who's based in Mumbai. Varun, what exactly did Kaspersky Lab find? Basically, Kaspersky came up in the course of one of their forensic investigations for one of their clients. They found traces back to the cybercrime marketplace, which was called XDedic, which is now defunct. And what the marketplace specialized in was selling stolen RDP credentials. RDP is Remote Desktop Protocol. It's a service that Microsoft operating systems have. People can connect remotely and have a desktop GUI available to them. So basically, this marketplace was selling RDP credentials from enterprises and corporations and government entities from across the world. And do we know why it's now defunct? Was this the result of some sort of police action, for example? Yes, Kaspersky says it's worked in conjunction with ISPs and law enforcement to bring down this marketplace, which surprisingly, this marketplace was being hosted on the public internet, unlike other cybercrime marketplaces that we've heard about in the past, which have been underground on networks like Tor and others. This marketplace was right out there on the www, the World Wide Web, and anybody could access it if you had the URL. Now, what would an RDP credential theoretically allow an attacker to do? Well, RDP is usually a service that is used by administrators to log in and do basic admin tasks, or you can use it to help a friend out or provide those kind of support services. But since it gives you a GUI, a desktop GUI into your system, it's very, very dangerous for an attacker to get their hands on. 
But here in this case, what I hear from experts on what the implications of an RDP compromise could be is that this is not just RDP, this is the case with all stolen credentials, is that it gives the attacker a foothold or you know an entry point into your network using which they try to basically find more compromise, more vulnerabilities and find more ways to access your systems before these credentials are revoked. So essentially, it's a foot in the door for them. And the rapidity of lateral movement in these kind of attacks where stolen credentials are involved is much, much higher than a normal attack. When an attacker would take that time to gauge the environment, here the attacker would quickly try to move off the compromise system into another one before he gets discovered. And do we know, geographically speaking, was this marketplace primarily catering to Asia, for example, or was it global? Well, this was a global marketplace if you look at Kaspersky's numbers, but it did have a good number of Asian servers for sale as well. The interesting thing that I found what Kaspersky said is that the most expensive servers listed on this website, upwards of 6,000 US dollars, were from North America, North American entities, government entities, and so forth. Whereas Asian servers averaged somewhere between 5 to $12 each. So it shows that, you know, whoever the demographic, the core demographic that was accessing this marketplace were more interested in North American, you know, servers. Varun, thanks very much for your insights. Pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Finally, a photograph posted to Instagram revealed Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's laptop. It showed several things that surprised many technology watchers. First, he uses the Thunderbird email client. But more importantly, he puts tape over his microphone and webcam as a privacy guard. In fact, security experts have long recommended, not just for people who might be relaying sensitive information or business secrets, to cover up their webcams when not in use, given the ease with which attackers can silently activate them remotely using malware. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Catch you next time. (music) 